I really appreciate reading Amanda all the time and for all that they do. But I, I had had this song. You, you may be seated. I had this song in my heart two Sundays ago, just before service. It just was rolling around in me and I started singing it and I asked Reed about it. And he said he could get it, get it ready for us next time. And so this is next time. And I'm so glad he did. And we've been singing it in prayer school on Wednesday mornings. They're just something to me, so powerful about it because, see, when we're praising God and worshiping God, we're, we're not, we, we are giving our praise to Him, but we're also making declarations in the realm of the Spirit. Yeah. We're, we're using Psalm 149, I believe it is, talks to us about that. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. And so it, it, it's talking about the praise being an exercise of our authority in Christ. And when we start singing and saying, the earth is filled with His glory. You know what happens? The earth is going to be filled with His glory. I think it's so, that, that, that is so significant that we get a hold of that. You know, it, it's so easy to talk about all the... You know, and again, yesterday I noticed... You know, folks, you know, the, the same lady that was saying, well, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't make it without this. If y'all didn't help us, we couldn't make it. And then her next statement was, because it's getting bad out there. You know, then one of our volunteers said, yeah, it is getting bad out there. And it's true. It's true. It is bad out there. But see, the more we give voice to that, that's not going to help anything. Amen. But when we declare the earth is filled with his glory... And you know what that does? That gives place for the glory of God to come. Amen. And we, we had a, two Wednesdays ago in prayer school, we, we, the Holy Spirit moved on us to pray specifically for the glory of God to be poured out, for the glory of God to be revealed in the earth. Amen. And uh, we're going to see it it's because the Bible says in, in Isaiah 40, it says the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. Amen. The crooked places will be made straight. The rough places will be made smooth. The, every valley be exalted. Every mountain brought low. That's, what we're, that's the work we're doing in prayer, in prayer school to prepare the way for the glory. Amen. And when we give voice to it and we declare and we say the earth is filled with its glory, it's rising up all around. The anthem of the Lord's renown. Praise God. So let, let that be your declaration for 2024. The earth is filled. I know it doesn't rhyme, but that's all right. The earth is filled with His glory. Hallelujah. The earth is filled with His glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. Well, we're talking about healing. So we'll get back over on that. I guess uh, I, uh, I talked to uh, them. They, they, they took their own cue and went to, went to Super Kids. While I was talking about all of that. So that's all right. That's what they were supposed to do. So let's pray over God's word this morning. Father, we thank you. And Lord, we declare it again today that the earth shall be filled with your glory. We believe that, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your word today, Father, as we open it. I thank you that the Holy Spirit gives me utterance today. And I thank you, Father God, that every heart and every mind is receptive and open to the word of God today. And I thank you, Lord, that we are reaping and receiving a harvest of healing from the word that we're allowing to be sown into our hearts. And as we hear your word, that's been, as, as that word's been sown and as we continue to hear it, that, that, 
that's watering the word. And we thank you that it will produce a harvest of health and healing in our lives. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you for it. And everyone that agreed said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we're still on this theme. The Lord just impressed on my heart to to minister some messages here at the beginning of the year on healing, on divine healing. Because how many of you know we need it? Amen? Amen. Praise God. We need to have the truth reinforced. Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard, but by continuing to hear. So let's get into the word this morning. James 4 and verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Praise God. So we submit to God and we resist the devil. Submit and resist are exact opposites. If you're submitting to something, that means you're not resisting it. If you're resisting something, it means you're not submitting to it. Right? The problem, problems arise, though, in our lives when we get this equation turned around and we resist God and submit to the devil. Anybody ever found that out? We're not to, we're not to resist God, we're to submit to him. And we're not to submit to the devil. We're to resist him. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant. That means, that means being on your guard. That means keeping your guard up. That means being on, on your watch. That means not getting spiritually complacent or lazy. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, you know you have an adversary? Well, I just thought if I just left the devil alone, he would leave me alone. No, he's your adversary. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, notice that. That's interesting, isn't it? That the devil is seeking whom he may devour. In other words, the devil can't just come along and say, I think I'm going to devour Paul today. No, he's got to check Paul's life and see, hmm, I wonder if there's any inroad that I have. I wonder if I may devour him. I wonder if he's let down his guard through fear and unbelief and doubt. See, he has to, he has to have an opening. He's seeking whom he may devour. All right. Uh, it says, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Look at the next verse. Do what? Resist him steadfast in the faith. So James tells us, submit to God, resist the devil. Peter tells us we are to resist him. Amen. And, uh, and, and James says that, that if we resist him, uh, he will flee from us. But the step prior to that is important. He says, submit to God. So we submit to God. Well, how, what does it mean to submit to God? The best way I know to submit to God is to agree with what his word says. Amen. Submitting to God means, okay, Lord, your word says this. That's what I believe. In spite of what I, yeah, but my feelings are telling me, well, your feelings may tell you one thing. Are you going to submit to your feelings or are you going to submit to God? Amen. 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 And so we, we submit to God, we submit to his word, and then we resist the devil and he'll flee from us. And Peter says, resist him here. Put, put that James or first Peter 5, 9 back up. Resist him how? Steadfast. Steadfast in the faith. What do you think of when you think of that word steadfast? It means, it means to stand firm, right? 
It means not to be wavering back and forth. In fact, James talks about that too. He says anybody that wavers is not going to receive anything. He's like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. But the way we have to resist the devil is to, is to be steadfast in our faith. Amen. The uh, New Living Translation says it this way, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Amen. And so I want to, uh, the purpose of this message is to help you to be strong in your faith concerning healing and health so that you can steadfastly resist the devil when he tries to bring sickness and disease into your life. Amen. Does anybody think this would be beneficial to you today? All right. Amen. So to resist the devil means that we should resist anything that comes from the devil. Right? If the devil is behind it, if he's the author of it, then I should resist it. I shouldn't submit to that in any fashion, right? I should resist it. Well, we know that we are to resist the temptation to sin, right? We know that, that, that Satan and our own flesh are behind any desire that would lead us to sin, whatever that sin may be. When, when, when thoughts come, hey, you should do this, hey, you should get involved in that, or whatever, then, then we, no, wait a minute, that, that's, that's sin. If I went that way, that would be sin. I resist that, devil. No, you don't. I resist that, right? Okay. Uh, we, know that we, we know that we're to resist things like the occult, witchcraft. Uh, we're entertaining demons when we get involved in those things. So no, I'm saying no to that. I'm closing the door to that in my life and in my house. I'm not going to get involved in the occult. I'm not going to get involved in witchcraft, things like that. We know to resist those things. But sometimes people fail to make the connection when it comes to sickness and disease. That we, we don't as steadfastly and as adamantly resist the devil when it comes to sickness and disease as we do to a temptation to sin uh, or, or, or get involved in anything that, that, the, that, is, that is, the Bible cautions us or warns us or forbids us to be involved in, right? All right. Um, and, and by the way, that would, that would include unforgiveness. That would include gossip too. Y'all are, y'all are all thinking adultery and you're thinking stealing and drunkenness. And those are all sins, but also we need to recognize sins of gossip, sins, sins of unforgiveness. Amen. We should resist that as well. No, no devil. I'm not going to, I'm not going to harbor bitterness and ill will and unforgiveness. You know, that's his, that's his, uh, a hook to get into our lives as surely as any as anything that he would use. But again, what about sickness and disease? See, if if we're not sure where sickness is coming from, then we won't be able to steadfastly resist it. If there's something in the back of our mind that says, and I know you didn't mean to say it that way, that well maybe the Lord gave Ron Ball that laryngitis that day. She. she she didn't mean it like that. Uh, it worked out well because people had to listen. Maybe I should try that some Sunday. So, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but if there's anything in the back of our mind that would say, "Well, maybe you know, maybe God has a purpose in this, or maybe God's allowing this, or maybe that," then 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 we we won't be able to resist the devil. Right? 
Amen. So again, just as, just as we resist sin, we should resist sickness. Don't submit to sickness. The opposite of, resi- of, of, of resist is submit. Amen. And we're told to resist the devil. And if sickness is coming from the devil, which I believe we're going to conclusively establish today during the course of this message, if it, if it comes from the devil, then we should not submit to it. We should resist it. But, you know, some folks submit to sickness out of ignorance. They just don't know. They don't know that, that, that sickness is coming from the devil. They don't know that, that it's something to be resisted. And so they, and so they submit to it. And, uh, uh, but, but, but some of us, we know better. Uh, and uh, and we, we may have submitted to sickness just out of a failure to stand in faith. You know? And we, and we probably have all been there, right? Yeah. You know, uh, just out of a failure, just to stand in faith. A neglect. In uh, Hebrews, it says, we, uh, it says we can't neglect so great a salvation that we've received. Amen. And it's easy sometimes in this area to neglect our salvation. And sometimes maybe when, maybe it's something minor or whatever, you know, and you, and, and you, and you get in a hurry or get busy or whatever, and you don't take the time to stop and say, oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I know what, I know what this is. This is from you, devil. I'm not going to have it. I resist it in Jesus' name. Brother Hagin used to say, he said, I've, I've not had a headache since August 1933. Amen. And he said, I've, or maybe 34, I think 34 is when he was healed. Uh, he said, I've not had a headache since August 1934. He said, he said now I've passed up some marvelous opportunities. And he said, one day I was turning out of here, out of the parking lot and getting on to 71st Street or Kenosha. It's 71st Street in Tulsa, but it's the same road. Once you get into Broken Arrow, it's called Kenosha Avenue. But uh, he said, I was turning, getting out on 71st Street here and this pain hit me. I slapped myself in the forehead. I said, no, you don't, devil. And he said, it left. Amen. Well, he, he trained himself to resist the devil, to resist sickness. And if you and I are going to walk in healing and health, we have to practice this. Amen. We have to learn to do this. Amen. And again, if we thought somewhere in the back of our mind, God might be sending it. God might have some purpose in it. Then we won't be quick to resist it. Amen. So the Bible's clear. Let's look at that. The Bible is clear about the source of sickness. Acts 10 verse 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing. I love that phrase to get doing. Everybody say doing good and healing, doing good and healing. Amen. Healing is good, right? Healing is good. Praise God. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by who? The The devil for God was with him. Jesus went about doing good. Healing is good. He, w- he healed all who were oppressed. Everybody say oppressed. By the devil. So sickness and disease is satanic oppression. The Bible makes it clear here. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Amen. The people were sick in their bodies because they were being oppressed by the devil. I didn't say they had devils in them. You know, sickness and disease, it doesn't necessarily mean there's a direct presence of a demon, 
But all sickness and disease is satanic oppression. Dr. John Alexander Dowie, who was a renowned uh, uh, minister of the gospel in the late 1800s, early 1900s, had an had a, a, a incredible healing and miracle ministry, uh, concluded this. He said, sickness is the foul offspring of its mother, sin, and its father, the devil. Sickness is the foul offspring of its mother, sin, and its father, the devil. Now, again, I'm not saying that if you have sickness in your body that you're in sin. He's talking about the fall of man. When Adam and Eve sinned in the beginning, that opened the door for sickness to come in. All right? So, uh, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Not every sickness, as we say, is the direct result of that oppression, but it's a result it's a result of the fall, it's a result of the curse, it's a result of Satan becoming God of this world when Adam and Eve sinned. All right. Sickness and disease are not from God. They're from the devil. Therefore, we resist sickness and disease without hesitation. Amen. How do we resist it? We read in First Peter, strong in our faith. Strong in our faith. Amen. Well, what does Jesus say about where sickness comes from? He had something to say about it. In Luke chapter 13 and verse 10, it says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Why was she bent over? What did she have? A what? A spirit of infirmity. A spirit of infirmity. Well, that wasn't the Holy Spirit, folks. Amen. She had a spirit of infirmity. She was bent over, couldn't, could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. That's what Jesus does. He looses us from infirmities. He looses us from those spirits of infirmity. He looses us from that satanic oppression. Amen? Woman, you're loose from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her. Immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. And then they got upset because he, in, the, in the synagogue there because he healed on the Sabbath day. And here's Jesus' response to that in verse 16. So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, and then he just makes it even more clear right here, whom Satan has bound. Why was she, why was she afflicted in that way? Why was she bent over and couldn't straighten up? Because Satan had bound her. And he said, this woman, she ought, and then he says, she ought to be loose. Ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. In other words, she's got a right to be healed. And we preached on this last year, talking about our covenant of healing. She had a right to be healed because she was a daughter of Abraham. She had a right to be healed because who she belonged to. She had a right to be healed because of the covenant she was under. And you've got a right to be healed because of who you belong to and because of the covenant you're under. And, and the Bible says in Galatians, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. Amen. And you're an heir according to the promise. Look it up. That's Galatians 3.29. Uh, if you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed. And so you can put your name in there and say, So ought not Rebecca 
being a daughter of Abraham, be loosed from this bond. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So she had a right to be healed. And, and uh, Satan, Jesus made it clear that Satan was the one that had bound her. Satan had bound her. Praise God. Now, one thing that, that, that sometimes causes people to be tripped up is certain scriptures in the Old Testament that seem to say that God is putting sickness on people. Well, one thing to, to understand is this, is that the Bible is progressive revelation. The Old Testament is a clear picture and a true picture of the will and plan of God. The New Testament is an even clearer picture of the will of God. Just understand, it is progressive revelation. And uh, you know, you know, the Bible says, in the, again, in the book of Hebrews, it says, God in, in, in times past spoke to us. Uh, spoke to the fathers by the prophets. It says, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Yeah. What did his son say? Well, his son just said, whom Satan has bound. Yeah. His son just said, spirit of infirmity. Yeah. His son went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Hallelujah. Amen. His son said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And never refused to heal anyone who came to him. Amen? Amen. All right. But let's look at this in Deuteronomy 28. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and see where some, sometimes folks get tripped up. Deuteronomy 28, 59. <laughs> then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. Well, there you go. Sounds like, sounds like God's doing this, right? In the way, in the way that this is worded here. And um, so again, and this is talking about, this is Deuteronomy 28 which the first part of Deuteronomy 28 is the blessings, and then the, from verse 16 on, the curses. And this is called the curse of the law. But again, the good news is, uh, as we look at this through, the, through, the, through our lenses of the New Testament and our lenses of the New Covenant, we look at it through Galatians 3.13, which declares to us the blessed truth Christ has redeemed us from. The curse of the law. So regardless, amen, we're redeemed from all this anyway. And that's significant because he, he, he lists, I'm just catching the end of it here, what I read to you, verses 58 through 61. He starts in verse 16 and goes through all the curse and he talks about all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and infirmities and all of this. And then he sums it up and says, well, let's just, let's just get the catch all. And put verse 61 back up there, Kim, if you would. It says, every sickness and every plague not written in this book of the law. He lists a bunch and he says, in case I forgot any, let's just throw this catch-all, every sickness and every plague. You know what that tells me? That gives me, re that doesn't scare me. That gives me reason to rejoice because I'm looking at that through Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That means Christ has redeemed us, redeemed you, redeemed me from every sickness and every plague. 
Woo! Glory. Amen. Praise God. But let's look at it. Let's look at, I want to read you uh, uh, an excerpt here from, uh, from Brother Hagin's book, Redeemed from Poverty, Sickness, and Spiritual Death. Uh, it says, The King James Version of these scriptures would lead us to believe that God himself puts sickness and affliction upon his people. For it reads, The Lord shall smite thee. Well, the King James says, smite thee. Uh, Dr. Robert Young, author of Hints to Bible Interpretation, points out that in the original Hebrew, the verb is in the permissive rather than the causative sense. Actually, it should have been translated something like, the Lord will allow you to be smitten. The Lord will allow these plagues to be brought upon you. Many other verbs were translated in the causative sense in the King James Version. For example, Isaiah 45, 7 reads, I form light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Does God create evil? No. That would make God a devil. God may permit evil, but he does not create it. Amos 3, 6 in the King James Version declares, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city? And the Lord hath not done it. If God commits evil, then he has no right whatsoever to judge a man for sinning. But God has not done evil. He only permits evil. There's a vast difference between commission and permission. When King Saul backslid, 1 Samuel 16, 14 says, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. What actually happened was that Saul's sin broke fellowship with God, and God permitted the evil spirit from the devil to trouble him. The original Hebrew of these scriptures was in the permissive tense. But because, of the, English lang- because the English language had no corresponding permissive tense, the verbs were translated in the causative tense. No, God does not send plagues and sickness upon his people as these verses seem to indicate. God's word does not teach that these things come directly from God. When God's people broke his commandments... They were no longer under his divine protection. See, the cur- we talked about this uh, last year, about the curse. And, uh, and uh, the, the God, through, he, by instituting the law, that was not the, that was not the final remedy, but it was a, a stopgap. It was a temporary solution until Jesus could come and redeem mankind. And God said, I'm going to give you the law And the children of Israel, as long as they kept the law, they were living under God's umbrella of protection. He said, if you step out from under that, if you don't do that, then you're out here. Did anybody have to use an umbrella this past week? If you kept your umbrella up, what happened? Stay dry. If you put your umbrella down, you got wet, right? Well... Them keeping the law in the Old Testament, they were keeping the umbrella up. It was raining all around, but they were staying dry. If they said, oh, we think we want to serve idols too. Oh, we don't think we want to, we don't want to keep these commandments God gave us. They put their umbrella down and all these curses. They got wet too with the same stuff that was happening to the rest of the world. Right? That's what he's talking about here. Okay. When God's people broke his commandments, they, no, they were no longer living under his divine protection. All he could do was permit the devil to bring those afflictions upon them. Their sin and wrongdoing brought those dreadful plagues upon them. 
Deuteronomy 28 lists several diseases and the curse of the broken law. Among them are pestilence, consumption, which is tuberculosis, fever, including all types such as typhus, scarlet, typhoid, smallpox, and all other eruptive fevers, inflammation, extreme burning, the botch of Egypt, emerald, scab, all skin diseases, itch, madness, blindness. According to verse 60, we can add to this list all the diseases of Egypt, which thou was afraid of. And verse 61 makes it all inclusive. Also, every sickness and every plague, which is not written in this book of the law, we can conclude from these scriptures that sickness and disease are a part of the curse of the law and they should, and they should come upon us. But praise God, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13. I'm going to keep reading just for a little bit here. One more page. Is sickness a blessing or a curse? God's word declares it's a curse. Some people would have you believe God blesses his children with sickness and disease. If he does, I would prefer to let someone else have that blessing. But according to God's word, sickness is a curse and health is a blessing. Disease is broken ease. Sickness is pain and suffering. It makes slaves of family and friends who must care for sick loved ones. Disease and sickness are enemies of mankind. Sickness is a thief and a robber. It has robbed many a young mother of her health, beauty, and joy. It has robbed her husband of his wife and has deprived her children of their mother, for she's no longer able to fulfill the duties of a wife and mother. Disease has robbed many young men, coming upon them in the midst of young manhood, filling them with anxiety and fear, robbing them of faith. Sickness and disease rob people of happiness, health, and money, which is needed for other things. Sickness is a curse. Sickness is not from God. Amen. Therefore, we should what? Resist it. Resist it. Amen. How did it get so late here? Uh, let's, let's, let's wrap this up here. Praise God. Uh, so back to the beginning in Genesis 1, 31. It says, then God saw everything, just to make it clear. Then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed it was what? Very good. Was there any sickness and disease then? After God, after God got through making everything? Was there cancer? Was there, was there, any, was there, was there diabetes? No disease, no sickness. Everything that he made was very good. And let's, and let's fast forward all the way to the end. Revelation 21, verse, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Look at this now. There shall be no more death, nor, nor, uh, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are, faith, are true and faithful. So at the beginning, when God created everything, including man, put him in the Garden of Eden, everything was very good, no sickness, no disease, no pain. And at the end of all things, when Satan is finally dealt with, and the kingdom of God comes, there'll be no more death, 
No more sorrow, no more pain. What happened in the interim? Well, Satan comes on the scene. The curse comes into existence. Satan brings sickness, disease, pain, death. Before Satan shows up, everything's very good. After Satan is forever banished, there's no more death, no more sorrow, and no more pain. And again, you know what we read earlier, Acts 10, 38, Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Jesus also said this, John 10, verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. What does the thief come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. Who's the thief? What are we to do about the devil? Resist him. Resist him. Amen. Anything that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, which which is sickness and disease, among other things, we are to resist. Amen. So if if Jesus already paid for my healing, why do I have to deal deal with that? Because the devil's still around. Because, because until the devil is bound, we still, he will still try to usurp authority. He will still try to challenge. He will still try to see. I'm going to see if they really know what Jesus did for them. I want to, I want to see. Maybe they'll let me put this sickness on them even though it doesn't belong to them anymore. I'm just itching to put sickness on somebody. I'm just itching to afflict somebody. That's all he knows. That's all he knows is steal, kill, and destroy. I'm looking. I'm going to see if they're going to let me do this. If they're going to let me do this. He's seeking whom he may devour. So what do you do when he says, I'm going to try to put this on you? What do you No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not from God. I don't deserve this. You can't put that on me. No, I resist sickness. I resist disease. Yeah, but it's hereditary. Your, your grandmother had it. And your mother had it. It's not, it's not anything I'm doing. It's something. No! Grandmama didn't know to resist you. Mama didn't know to resist you. But I do. And no, it stops here. Amen. Woo! Amen. Amen? Glory to God. All right. So, so, number one, understand. And Reed, come on back up and begin to play. Understand the source of sickness. I think we do, right? Amen. And number two, understand healing is God's will for all. Amen. Amen. Healing belongs to you. Jesus expressed God's will. He healed all who came to him. And then number three, healing belongs to you. I know I'm going through these fast, but we're out of time here. (laughs) Healing belongs to you. Why are we we out of time? Because I just sensed it from you. I mean, I can preach on until 12, but I sensed when we got to 1120, it was like, Okay, Pastor. You might not know have said it, but okay, Pastor, it's time to wind down. We got, we got things to do. Yeah. All right. There we go. Glory to God. Let's see if we can reverse this trend, Robert. Come on. <laughs> no, I understand. Amen. Brother Hagen told Brother Randy Gray, he said, Brother Randy, you need to learn a lesson. He said, the mind can, can comprehend no more than the seat can endure. Your sermons can be eternal without being everlasting. All right. So number three, healing belongs to you and you must keep what belongs to you. Say that. Say, I'm going to keep what belongs to me. Healing belongs to me. 
divine health belongs to me. And I'm going to keep what belongs to me. Revelation 2.25, Jesus told the church there, but hold fast what you have. Hold fast what you have. Why did you tell them to hold it fast? Because somebody would come, come along and try to take it away from them. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hold fast what you have till I come. Yeah. Amen. I remember, I'm making this a little longer, I'm sorry, but I think it'll help you see. I remember when I first started playing basketball, I think it was fifth, fifth grade or sixth. Well, I, I played park and rec. My brother would take me to my park and rec games. And here, I, I think third or fourth grade, I think fourth grade is when I started playing. But for the, we had a school team, I think about sixth grade maybe. And we went over to play um, Sardis. And, uh, and, you know, they had some, I, I'll never forget this. They had some, some boys that were very aggressive. They played, they were clean, but they played hard and they were aggressive and they would take the ball away from you and they would block your shot. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm not used to this. You know, I'd never encountered anybody playing that aggressively on defense. And I had to adjust to that. It was a wake up call for me that, wait a minute, somebody's trying to take the ball away from me. Somebody's trying to block my shot. Amen. And you have to have that wake-up call. Now, wait a minute. It's not just going to, as Brother Hagin would say, it's not going to fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree. You're going to have to hold fast to it. You're going to have to hold on to it. There's somebody that wants to take it away from you. The devil wants to take it away from you. You're going to have to say, no, you don't. Amen. And ultimately, nobody else can do that for you. Ultimately, yeah, we, can, we can believe with you and pray with you, but ultimately you've got to stand up and say, no, you don't, devil. No, you don't. I resist you in Jesus' name. You're not taking my healing. Nope. Amen? Amen? Now, hold fast what you have. Say, well, I don't have it. I've been trying to get healed, but I just can't seem to... I just can't seem... No, 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 no. You're looking at that all wrong. By his stripes, you were healed. It's already done. It's already yours. You're not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed. Jesus paid for it. Jesus did it. You are the healed. Satan's trying to take it away from you. And what do you do? What do we do? No, you don't. No, no. You know, again, Brother Hagin, one, one of his stories that he told is these, these alarming symptoms. He was healed of a deformed heart. Um, an uncurable blood condition as a teenager, went out preaching. And there were times where, a few times where those symptoms came back on him. His heart wasn't beating right. And, and you know, he, he, that happened to him one time before, before he got saved, or t- twice, once before he got saved, once right after he got saved as a teenager. And he, he died temporarily. If your heart stops, you, you don't last long, Right? His heart wasn't beating right. He's out, on the, he's out preaching somewhere. He's staying in the parsonage of the, of the pastor's home. He's, and, and his heart's not beating right. And the devil says, this is one time you're not going to get your healing. He said, I just put my head under the covers. He said, I didn't want to disturb the pastor and his wife. They're in the next room. I just put my head under the covers and I started laughing. Did he feel like laughing? No. He said, I just started laughing. Ha, 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 ha. Like that. Ha, just in faith. Ha, 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 ha. He said, after a while, the devil said, what are you laughing at? Ha, 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 ha. I'm laughing at you, Mr. Devil. 
ha, ha, ha. Well, the devil doesn't like, Brother Hagin said, the devil doesn't like to be made fun of. So he said, why are you laughing at me? He said, because you just said this is one time you're not going to get your healing. That's right, the devil said. This is one time you're not going to get it. Ha, ha, ha. Why are you laughing? Because you don't understand, Mr. Devil. I'm not trying to get my healing. I've already got it. I've already got it. It's already mine. Amen. Healing is already yours. So hold fast to it. Hold fast to it. Hallelujah. So how do we resist the devil? How do we resist? Well, let me, let me back up one let me say this first. Hold fast. To, how do I hold fast to my healing? I hold fast to my healing by holding fast to my confession. We're told that in Hebrews ten twenty three. Let us hold fast. Throw that one up there, Kim. I skipped one. So Hebrews ten twenty three. Let us hold fast. What? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. How? That sounds a lot. A lot sounds a lot to me. Like resist him steadfast. Without wavering and steadfast sound the same to me, don't they to you? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now we know confess means, to, mean, means this, it means to say the same thing as. Yep. To confess, when we talk about confessing our sin, you know what we're doing? We're saying the same thing about our sin that God says about it. When we confess our sin, we're, we're, not, we're not justifying ourselves anymore. We're not, we're not trying to blame anybody else. We're saying, God, I sinned. You call it sin. I'm calling it sin. Amen. But on the positive side, when we confess our hope, when we confess our faith, we're saying the same thing that God says. What does God say? By his stripes, you were healed. I was healed. I am healed. And so I hold to when Satan comes to try to steal away, my healing and my health by bringing an attack against me, by bringing sickness against me. I say, no, you don't. No, no. God's word says I'm healed. I'm holding fast to that. I'm holding fast to my confession. I'm going to say the same thing God says about my health and about my healing. And he, he says by his stripes, by, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. If I was healed, I am healed into the matter. Amen? Amen. Praise God. All right. So how do we resist? We resist, number one, with the Word of God. Anytime that, anytime that Jesus was tempted by Satan, anytime Satan came against Jesus, Jesus gave us an example, right? After he was baptized by John, went into the wilderness, was fasting. Satan came to him with these temptations. And every time, how did Jesus answer him? It is written. Yeah. It is written. That's how you resist the devil. It is written. Say, so, well, I don't know what's written. That's your problem. Find out what's written. Get into the book and find out what's written about your situation. Find out what's written and say, answer the devil. No, you don't. It's written. It's written. Amen. We resist with the written word of God. Number two, we resist with the name of Jesus. Luke ten seventeen. look at this. It says, then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they were speaking specifically about ministering healing to people. Those demons that were bringing sickness and disease, the, the disciples reported and said, these demons are subject. They must submit to us in your name. Resist the devil with the name of Jesus. 
You have that name. That name's been given to you. You've been authorized to use it. Resist him with no, you don't. Pain in the name of Jesus, leave my body. Amen. Sickness in the name of Jesus, leave my body. Hallelujah. Resist with the written word of God. Resist with the name of Jesus. Resist through praising and through thanking God. Amen. We resist him that way. Through the word of, written word of God, through the name of Jesus, and through praising and thanking God. Psalm 8, we'll skip down to that one, Kim. Psalm 8 and verse 2. It said, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength. All right, doesn't say anything about praise in that one. But it is inferred because Jesus quoted this over in the New Testament. And he quoted it this way. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. And he said that in response to the children that were crying out in the temple when he entered into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and the children were crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were praising Jesus. And, and the Pharisees said, hey, tell, these, tell these kids to shut up. Do you, or he said, they said, do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus said, yes, I do. And he said, have you never read? And he quoted this scripture. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've what? You've ordained strength. Perfected praise, strength and praise go together. Praise brings strength. Praise will bring strength into your life. You begin to start praising God, it'll bring strength into your life. I'm telling you, not only spiritually, but physically. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go ahead and stand up. He says, out of the mouth. Out of where? Out of the mouth. You've ordained strength. Strength for your life comes out of your own mouth. Amen. And I can say this, weakness in your life comes out of your own mouth too. You can talk yourself weak and tired and sick, or you can talk yourself and praise yourself well. Amen. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you've ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. What are we saying? When we, when we open our mouth and we begin to praise God and, and glorify God and magnify God, it silences the enemy. If the enemy is coming against you with sickness, disease, infirmity, then go ahead and lift your voice, lift your hands and your voice and start praising God and that will silence the enemy. That will short circuit that attack. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So let's do something right now. I want to lead you in a spiritual exercise. Do this. Let your heart agree with it. Say it with all the authority that you can muster. Praise God. Say this. In the name of Jesus, I am instructed to resist the devil and he will flee from me. That means to resist anything that comes from the devil. I see that sickness and disease is not from God. It's from the devil. Therefore, I am commanded to resist it. I no longer submit to sickness and disease. I resist sickness and disease. I resist 
weakness, infirmity, things that they say. That's just part of old age. No, it isn't. I resist it. As my days are, so shall my strength be. In the name of Jesus, I resist sickness, disease, infirmity. In the name of Jesus, I am healed. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. Healing belongs to me. I have it. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I am healed. So in the name of Jesus, Satan, get out of here. Get your hands off my body. Sickness, leave my body. Pain, leave my body. In the name of Jesus, I am healed. I am free in Jesus' name. Now let's praise God for it. Praise God for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, praise Him. Out of your mouth. Out of your mouth, God's ordained strength. Out of your mouth, out of your praise. Hallelujah. The enemy silenced. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. You are my healer. Praise you, Lord. You are my healer. Thank you, Jesus. I am healed. I'm healthy. I'm strong. Hallelujah. With long life, you satisfy me. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I've just got to tell you, I've just got to tell you this. Uh, I've shared this before. It's a a story Brother Hagin told about an evangelist that he knew had heard, heard this man tell his testimony that this evangelist is back in the 20s or 30s, 1919. <laughs> I got to qualify that. We're already in the 2020s, aren't we? Nearly halfway through. Nearly 100 years ago, 1920s or, or 30s, uh, this man was, a, was an evangelist, a, a minister of the gospel, and he came down with tuberculosis and he got so weak that he couldn't preach anymore. Uh, he would, uh, as he was first diagnosed and still trying to preach every congregation, he would preach. He said, folks, y'all pray for me. I'm, this is what I've been diagnosed with. Everybody pray for me. Everybody raise their hand. Yes, we'll pray for you, brother. And church after church. Finally got so weak that he couldn't preach and travel anymore. So he and his wife and, and their children moved in with his in-laws, with her parents. And, uh, and he was pretty much bedfast and uh, was so weak with the tuberculosis and um, he was laying there on his bed and he looked out the window. It was a nice sunny day and he looked out and about a quarter mile, uh, they lived on a big farm and about a quarter mile away as he looked out the bedroom window, he could see just like a clump of trees there in the midst of the fields around. And he said, you know, he, he, got, to, he got to thinking, he said, I'm just going to go uh, out there and I'm going to muster up enough strength to get out to that clump of trees and I'm just going to sit down under that clump of trees and I'm just going to... I'm just going to pray till I either till I get healed or till I die. I mean, that was way he way he phrased it and put it. So he mustered up enough strength to get out there, and the devil's telling him, "You're going to die out here." And uh, the only way they're going to know you're here is they're going to see the buzzards flying around. And um, so he got out to that to that uh, clump of trees, and he and he sat down there, and I guess he had his Bible with him, and he, and he had a thought though. He said, "You know," he said, "I prayed." I've prayed a lot, 
And I've had other people pray. And I've had all these churches everywhere I traveled. Before, while I could still travel, I would have these churches. The people in these churches promised they would pray for me. He said, if prayer would have got the job done, I would have been healed by now. And the Lord shut him. The Holy Spirit said, you need to add praises. You need to add praises to your prayer. And he read that, I guess, I think he read that scripture in Acts 16. Paul and Silas in the, in the jail in Philippi at midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God. He said, I'm just going to lay here and praise God and thank God for my healing. He knew the, he saw the Bible. He knew that by, by his stripes, I'm healed. He said, I just need to accept that and just praise God for my healing. And so all he could do is whisper, Barbara, praise God. And as he did that for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, he felt himself getting stronger. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. He was getting stronger and stronger. Another half hour passed and he's able to stand up. Praise God. Praise God. After about two hours of praising God, he was standing up completely healed. I could hear him a mile away praising God. And he was totally healed and went back into the ministry and finished his course. Amen. Amen. The, the answer came while he was praising. Amen. Hallelujah. There's something so powerful about praise. Amen. That, 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 that we need to employ. Amen. In resisting the devil. Glory to God. Resist the devil. And James promised he will flee from you. Amen. 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 He may not want to at first. But if you enforce it, he has to. He has to. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. One more. <laughs> Smith, Smith, you're standing. You're, you know you're about ready to get set loose here. All right. Smith Wigglesworth was a great evangelist, healing, healing minister uh, who went to be with the Lord in, in the late 1940s. Uh, they said that he was uh, uh, going out to, he lived in England, and, and he went out to, was out at the train station one day. And there was a lady that, that had gone to the train station to get on the train and her little dog had followed her uh, to the train station from the house and uh, followed her to the train station. And, and she turned around and said, now, honey, no, you have to go back home. Go back home, baby. Go back home, honey. Go back. No, you can't stay with mommy. Go back home. Go back home. And the little dog says, you know, it's just going to stay right there. Finally, the woman says, I said, get. And the dog went, arr, 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 went running home. And Wigglesworth said, that's the way you got to do the devil, ma'am. Amen. Amen. That's what you got to do. You can't, you can't say, okay, okay, Mr. Devil, just leave me alone. You got to say, I said, get. Amen. 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 Resist him. Amen. Steadfast in your faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 